0: Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwan, and now for Bob Switzer with the Epic Narrative. All right, <laughs> uh, this is this is gonna be a good. This is a good opportunity to really explore something that I think a lot of us have, which is a, this dualistic aspect of God, and, and so at the end of the last uh, episode we have this nation that's been delivered from the na- another nation and and in being delivered it was dramatic right it was it was it was a sudden uh, suddenly it was it was it was this wealth of fear that had welled up within them they were trapped then they were then they were protected and then they were they were uh, you know a came from where there was no way which you know, much like Jesus, has you know teaches us. It, it, Moses goes to God. He's like, "What are you gonna do?" And he's like, "What do you What do you want to do? Like, basically, just find a way out. Just like I, you got my, I got your back. Spread your, you know, put your rod out over the top of the sea. We'll split it wide open. Whatever you want to do. And so he did. And everybody, everybody left. You know, everybody, everybody was released. It was awesome. It was awesome. Just, it was awesome. So they get done and and i know it causes angst in a lot of people but i believe moses had the choice to do what he wanted to do with the egyptian army god had an opportunity for the egyptian army to disappear moses chose to kill them boom there they are and there they you know and now they're now they can see them floating which again uh you know we exp- I just wanted you to explore because for me, it's it's one of those it's just one of those things where you have to you have to wonder what what was going on. Why did drowned bodies float? Uh, and and then like you just have that weird moment like, well, wait, did God did God do like a mercy killing? Did he did he kill them before they drowned so that they wouldn't go through the suffering? And and, but God doesn't kill like I don't, and I don't know. It's for me. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery because I don't think God killed them. Because I don't think God has death in heaven as a weapon to use. So I don't know. I don't know. But when all that happens, there's great celebration on this on the other side of the seashore. There's. You know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of celebrating people. They are cheering, they are drinking. I have no idea what, but they're drinking, they're eating, they're high fiving, they're hugging, they're celebrating. Their the tambourines are out. Somebody got out a you know a drum. They started a rhythm, and basically, uh, they came up with you know Moses comes up with a with a rap song or a, a psalm. I should say a psalm of victory. And it is a pretty awesome psalm. I, I think that many pastors have used it as a way to encourage people that victory comes from God and that the enemies of God will be defeated. And and yes, that's absolutely true. But I don't think it's because God's out there killing them. I think it's because that's the natural result of, of you reap what you sow. And if you sow, I'm sorry, if you reap with... The, the father of lies and death. You're going to end up with lies and death. So, the dualistic you know mind of the Hebrews is seen, and 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 I think they're a lot like us. But it's seen uh, in in the words to the song. They see God as both good and bad, as both killer and life giver. As both master to keep happy and, uh, you know, um, what's the other side of master keep happy? Oh, and, you know, master who could get mad, who could get angry. I got in the middle of that sentence. I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> Bob, sit down at your desk and keep an eye on me. Stop all this whatever it is you do in there and help me out. leave me in the middle of a sentence without somewhere to go. I'm I'm doing a podcast here. I I can't be seen as uh, somebody who didn't know what he was going to say. (laughs) That's right. Yes, I know. A Michael Scott moment, right? Sometimes I just start saying words. (laughs) I don't know what I'm really saying. Classic. That was a The Office was a funny show. All right. At least I thought so. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you keep God happy, right, then you are loved. If you keep him real happy, then you are blessed. If you keep him super happy, he'll kill your enemies. (laughs) That's kind of the way that people approach God, right? We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, You know, any form of unhappiness and you have... No idea what he could do, which is the classic tyranny of a dictator and a a man. You just don't know. The master could decide to show you mercy, and even though he's not happy with you, well, you can still eat and drink and have a warm uh, house to live in. But he may also decide that you deserve to die. Or somewhere in between, you know, you may end up with a cold or a really bad infection on a hangnail or cancer. It, you know... Just don't make me unhappy, because if I tell you what I'm going to do, then you may calculate what you know just how unhappy you can make me before things will get so bad that you don't want to make me unhappy anymore. But you know, being the good God that I am, I may be good to you through several years of you being really bad, and then I'll crush you like a grape because I can't, I can't let you know what I'm going to do, because I'm a good dictator and master. <laughs> it's crazy. Or yeah, or he could thank you, Bob. Or he could uh let your enemies come in and wipe you out and just take out your whole nation. So if your nation is a maybe you're doing fine, but then your nation is doing something else and and the leaders of your nation lead you down a different path, well then I may bring in the enemies and they're going to wipe out all your wealth and your family and, you know, bring you into slavery. Uh, and you might not have done anything wrong. So it's, you know, uh, too bad for you. It's just the way I operate. And that's the way a lot of people look at it. A lot of people look at it that way. It's, it's just so we treat God just the same. It's a slave mentality. And we, we praise him like crazy when our enemies uh, are destroyed or, or even people we disagree with, if bad things happen to them, it's like, oh, that's great. Or maybe they lose their their livelihood. It's like, oh, well, that's fine. Well, that they deserve that, right? They didn't agree with me when it came to my eschatology, or they didn't agree with my political beliefs, or they didn't agree with my my uh, believe my. Whatever, like literally, my brain just exploded with illustrations. That's where the stuttering came from. It just, just exploded. There's so many illustrations. I, you can scroll a Facebook feed, and you can see lots of opportunities for people to disagree, and lots of where, lots of places, places where they do. And what's, what's crazy to me, so many times, uh, people post things that are, shall we say, a little controversial. And I scroll their their feed and, you know, I don't agree with what they posted. But I scroll their feed and everybody's agreeing with them. And I think, wow, they have no diversity of friends. None. And that happens uh, for a lot of people. Liberal, conservatives, independents, every, every form of denomination... Sometimes, you know, that you you post stuff or you present stuff in such a way that you ultimately just surround yourself with people who agree with you and you literally have no critical thought after that because everything you say is, good point, brother, good job, yeah, oh, I agree, I agree, and you think, yeah, the world agrees with me because I'm awesome, rather than, maybe I should do a little bit more research, maybe this guy does have a point, maybe, maybe... There's more than one way to accomplish the end goal. And without that critical thought, you just end up droning over and over and over again the same plot points. And then when people do actually disagree with you, you know, live and in person or have a point that you actually should consider, you just panic and call them names. Well, you're just an idiot. You're just a conspiracy theorist. You just don't believe science. You just don't believe the Bible. I'm not talking to you and you walk away. you you can't open your brain up a little bit. you can't evaluate yourself and where you were coming from a little bit to maybe say that there might be another another stream of information that should at least be considered if not if not uh, long term uh, implemented Now I I don't I don't uh, sorry side note. I just realized that I was I was recording with the heater on. <laughs> it's very cold where we are. And so I had a little space heater going on in, in the bedroom where I do the recording. And that may have been in the background for the last 10 minutes and 38 seconds. So uh, to my producer, Brian, I'm sorry about that. And I will try to make note of it. So that you don't go crazy when you're listening to it and EQing everything going, what is that noise? What is that noise? It's a space heater. I shut it off. I shut it off. I'm sure I won't get that cold over the next half hour. So we should be fine. If that little noise was in the background of your ear pods and you were thinking something's wrong, it was wrong, but I fixed it. Bob, once again, this goes to you. You were distracted doing whatever it is you do in that little office of yours, and you should have been like, Bob, the heater's on, so we'll blame that on the other Bob, the one that lives in my head. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we we like it when bad things happen to people that we don't agree with or people that we consider our enemies, and that's because of our dualistic mindset regarding God. We think God's, we, we say it, right? Well, God's in control. God's in control. And when bad stuff happens to our enemies, we're like, yes, and we sing songs like this that Moses sang and the Israelites sang. And well, I'll read the whole thing in a minute, but I just wanna I just wanted to spend a little bit more time on this because I, as you, as you know, I, you know I touch on it in many places, but for me this is just a blatant uh, explanation of of people who have a dualistic mindset regarding God. We see both sides in this song. They they remember, you know, God was was you know out there killing their enemies, calling down the water. It's like, wait a minute, you know, who called down the water? That was Moses. I mean, he, he took credit for it in the last chapter. Here he gives God credit for it. Like, it's it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. But we have to be careful of that. We do, because we do the same. We just do the same. And I, I remember uh, growing up, I grew up in a, you know, Mm, Do I tell people? I grew up in a, for me, a very, very conservative theology, Protestant, ultra conservative theology. And I currently would be considered, I consider myself still a Protestant, but in a very progressive theological mindset where, where Jesus is perfect theology. That's, that's my theology is Jesus so people who knew me back in the day would probably call me a heretic in in many things because we do not agree anymore uh, on so many things that not only I was taught, but stuff I preached because I was taught through, uh, yeah, through high school in a very conservative approach to the Bible, uh, literal, I was, I was a literalist when it came to the Bible and and man, I could, I, I, I studied, uh, in high school apologetics. Uh, that was my like elective course. I loved it. Defending the faith and I could do it, but I look back and so much of it was, uh, had this dualistic mindset. It was, it was God is both good and evil. And whenever he does, whatever he does is evil, it only looks evil to you and I, because we're sinners And we we, we won't figure out, we won't have true perspective till we get to heaven. Even though Christ saved us, even though the old man is dead, even though we have the mind of Christ, even though we have the righteousness of God, even though all that's, quote, true, we spiritualize it all. We put it all up in heaven, and we say, well, we'll get all that when we get there. Right now, we're just sinners saved by grace. And as you know, if you listen to season uh, season two, all I keep trying to constantly go to, we are saved back to the beginning. We're saved back to our original purpose, our original design, not back to where we sinned. That's not, God doesn't save us to chapter three. He saves us all the way back to chapter one. So I don't believe God's dualistic. I don't. But let's get around to uh let's read this this chapter pretty much all right uh because I do think there are some amazing words of encouragement in it and um yeah I think that, I think we should sing it so then Moses and the Israelites sing the song to the Lord I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea <laughs> here we go oh uh, the Lord is the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My father, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies, he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea or Reed Sea, which is, again, we talked about last episode, but anyways, The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone, which is tough to do if you're in the Reed Sea and not in the deep sea, but let's move on. Your right hand, Lord, it was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The surge of waters stood up like a wall. Deep waters congealed at the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them they sank like lead of mighty in mighty waters you among the gods is who among the gods is like you lord who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glory working in wonders you stretched out your hand And the earth swallows up your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble in anguish, will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized and trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them by the power of your arm. They will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until your people you brought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them in the mountains of your inheritance, the place the Lord you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels, dancing, and they sang, "Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. Both horse, horse, and driver, He has hurled into the sea." Woo, doggy, that's a, that's a top ten hit right there, and it has been really, at some level, people have sung this song for thousands of years, because they see. Something bad happened to someone they don't agree with and they, they just assume God is on their side and, and anybody that God's for, who can be against? For he will crush the enemy. He will cover them with the waters of the deep. Everybody dies when God's against you. I mean, that's, that's, that's a... <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating thought to think that so many believe in a God that has that much darkness in him. Because if darkness comes from God, then there is darkness in God. And, and you, you can't have that. God, God describes himself as all good. And for those who got it wrong, he sent his son to earth so that you could see exactly what his character was like. And there was no darkness in Jesus. There was no dualistic Jesus. There were no stories of Jesus growing up, you know, those those story the you know, those years that we don't know about. Those, there's no stories of him, you know, running off killing people. And then, oh, then God calls him to ministry and now everything's good for the last three years. He did everything right. No. The, 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 the stories are all consistent that he was good all the time. Because that's the nature of God. And he was the perfect image of God on earth. And he said, you have that same image in you. But, but because we have a dualistic mindset of God, we also have this dualistic mindset of us. And we say, I, I am also evil. I am also in a, you know, in a tight spot. I am also in a place where I sin all the time. And we find evidence for that, right, in our own lives. We look and we say, well, I thought bad thoughts. I did bad things. I lied. I cheated. I stole. Clearly, I have character flaws. Clearly, I have, I have, you know, sin in my very nature. Clearly, I'm not the image of God on earth. So therefore, I'm both. Yes, I have Jesus in my life, but until I trudge through this entire world, Uh, My time on this planet, I I beat myself into submission over and over again. I I beg and I plead for God's mercy because I don't deserve to really be alive. I'm a worm. I am less than a worm. I I I beg for crumbs at His table. Like there's there's all this stuff that we we approach God because we see ourselves dualistically, and then we we filter God that same way. And we look and we find the evidence of it. Because if we look at this, right, Moses gives God credit for killing, for bringing down the water. And yet in the story, God's like, if you spread your your staff out, I mean, you split the water, you, you draw it back down. If you do, it'll kill everybody. And Moses is like, I like that plan. And he kills everybody. And look at the, the way that, the way that moses immediately transfers that kind of death and destruction onto the the inhabitants of the promised land remember god has never spoken to uh, abraham isaac or to moses about killing everybody in in canaan he talks about overtaking them and doing so through massive population and influence of Yahweh through that population into their cultures so much so that their cultures are wiped out. That's the approach that God has, but here Moses transfers the idea of of overtaking the promised land into overthrowing it through violence and he gives God credit for all of this. The nations will hear and tremble in anguish will grip the people of Philistia the chiefs of Edom will be terrified the leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling the people of Canaan will melt away in terror and dread I mean this is this is crazy they will become still as stone yeah that's dead that's when you become still as stone is when you're dead he transfers this this mindset to the people now remember he's singing this to the people he's teaching them a new song and at the end of this song the women take a chorus of the song that this is this is the way that that Hebrews would memorize things and uh and and this goes right all the way to the story of the cross you would memorize the whole psalm and then you'd come up with a a phrase that would remind you of everything the song was about. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, you have forsaken me, he was giving the Jewish people the first round of memory regarding the psalm that that comes from, which I believe is Psalm 21. And by the end of that psalm, David is declaring, but but, but you haven't ever left me, and you, you are right here with me, and you are closer than my breath. Like, it's, it's a beautiful reminder that we may, f- we may look at our circumstances and think to ourselves, God has abandoned me, and we may even feel like God has abandoned, me, abandoned us, but the truth is, he has never abandoned us, and that's exactly what Jesus was saying to everybody. You look up here and think God has abandoned me, you couldn't be more wrong. He is so close to me now. He is literally in my breath. It's it's a beautiful psalm that Jesus is reminding people. God is not dualistic. He's always with us. And you can look up here and say, see, God has abandoned his, his only son. <clears throat> nope. Not even close to the truth. Not even close to the truth. And it's not it's not close to the truth here either. God is not going to abandon his people. God is God is not. No matter, even if they choose wrongly, He doesn't abandon them. He's constantly going to be with them. And Moses here is singing a song about how how evil God is and how He's going to terrify the world and take over the planet. And and it's like, well, uh, maybe you weren't listening, or maybe maybe you're seeing evidence and you're filtering that evidence through a. Through a faulty vision and understanding of who God is. You're you're filtering that evidence in a in a way that makes God look like something he's not. So when you when Moses and the people are looking at what just happened, they see a God who destroyed the Egyptians because they he loved Israelites more. The Israelites had suffered and needed to be paid back. Uh, reparations, and this was how they were paid back. God killed their enemies, wiped out the men, women, and children, wiped out the army, and and in essence wiped out the nation, because He loves the Israelites more than He loves the Egyptians, and that's not who God is, but that is the way we present to Him, and that's exactly the way that Moses presented Him. He he talks about God's you know description of power and goodness. And then he just has these terrible ideas about God's power and character. In verse 16 of this, of this thing, it says, uh, right, terror and and dread will fall on them. I just finished that part about Canaan will melt away. By the power of your arm, they will be still as sown until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. Now, some Some you can translate that word "bought" as "created," but it's it carries that nuance carries that nuance that this is something like we you own us. You you created us. We are we are your creation. We are lesser than you, and we are controlled by you. We are owned by you. Uh, You you are you know uh, the the reason for our life comes from you. They see themselves as being purchased by God through the deliverance from the Egyptians. They were delivered out of slavery. They were delivered from the army, and therefore they now are owned by God. That's, that's where their mindset's coming from. We just, our new master is so powerful that he that he killed off our old master. And that's the kind of expectation that they have on God, they they set the expectation that God will kill off any and all who are living who oppose them, and from their perspective, everyone and anyone living in the promised land is now an enemy who God is going to crush, and they immediately believe. Well, maybe it took three, four, ten minutes. They just start to process, okay, if God's going to crush them all, we get to be a part of that. We get to crush them all. They set this expectation. Again, this is not God's plan. This is Moses assuming that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't understand the way that the promised land was going to be taken. They clearly had questions and had asked God, how is the problem how how are we going to know how is this going to happen and god said trust me you know follow my plan it's it's it will happen because i am a loving god and a good god and an amazing god and when one you know when you overtake these nations it'll be like heaven overtaking earth and moses is basically saying they didn't understand but we now know because from our, pers- our dualistic perspective of God, we have seen what God does to people who disagree with him. And everyone who lives in Canaan clearly disab- disagrees with God, and so this is what's going to happen to them. Now, why does God not correct this view? Why doesn't he step in and say, Whoa, 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 whoa there, Mr. Lyricist, Mr. New Rap uh, uh, Rap King. Let's work on some of the wording of this song so that so that you understand my plan and you understand my character a little bit better. And I think, in a lot of ways, he 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 does. He tries, but the people look at what of their look at their circumstances and they filter it in such a way that they find the evidence to support their beliefs, which is the same thing that we do. We catch a cold. And we say, oh, the devil's on me. You know, God God is letting the devil attack me. I don't know what I did, but, you know, I'm going to be homesick with COVID or the cold or the flu or variant 47 FB dash whatever. Like it's, uh, or we sprain our ankle, you know, we're playing sports and we sprain our ankle and it's like, oh God, what did I do wrong? Like we were on our way to becoming whatever. And now I've got a sprained ankle. So clearly God is out to get me. He's here to teach me something. And what happens is God's goodness does teach you something because he doesn't waste anything in your life. He's always looking to give you promotion, to expand your faith, to expand your strength, to expand your ability to to get heavenly perspectives on, on all your circumstances. And when that occurs, we we, unfortunately, often make the connection, oh, clearly then God caused the bad in order for the good. He can't do that. We've been over that at least a thousand times and probably a thousand times more. He can't. If he can, then he is both evil and good. And man, that just really changes everything, I think, when it comes to faith. If he's evil and good, then then what can you trust because now you just don't know. Was he being evil? Or is he setting us up so that he can be good? It's, it's, it's not a healthy place to be, but so many of us live there. Because we just look for the evidence to support our beliefs. And then, uh, yeah, and then the women they they teach the people this little chorus with a tambourine and probably a good rhythm and they could start singing this chorus all throughout the land and everybody would know the rest of the words of the song and they would hum it all day long. Right? So all this is going on. They're having a great time. I'm guessing if if all is according to legend, right? They saw the Egyptians coming. Reports of the Egyptians coming happened in the morning. The cloud goes behind them to protect them. In the late afternoon. Sun sets, the wind blows, the sea parts. They spend the nights sp- crossing the Red Sea, which again is described beautifully in this song. the song. The, the way that the walls went up and the, and the gel and the, 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 it just was spectacular, right? It's beautiful. And then they they get done they get on the other side, the sun comes up, the cloud lifts, and in so many ways, i I think that the you know again, the Lord constantly was trying to to let Pharaoh make a better choice. I think he warned Pharaoh, he blocked Pharaoh's entrance. he well, clearly he had tons of warning before he even left the country, but then when he chased him down. The Lord warns them with, the, with blocking them all night. Like, why didn't Pharaoh just say, you know what, guys? We've been up against this God before. We've lost every time. Um, our gods just, they just don't protect us. And this God is clearly a God of protection. Why don't we go back and why don't we worship this God? Or why don't we just lay down our weapons and in the morning, you know, I'll send an emissary over to Moses and we can kind of introduce ourselves again, kind of start a little, like he had opportunity. He had plenty of opportunity. And even when they were they were headed that way, right? God leans out of the cloud and he scares the horses and causes everybody to break ranks and the, the chariots start bumping into each other. The wheels are falling off. He's like, basically turn around, get back. I don't want you to die. And then Moses is like, this is a perfect opportunity for everybody to die. I'm going to take him out. Anyways. So I I think that God did try to to change the way people viewed him. They just didn't see it that way. So in verse 22, it says that the you know, he led Israel away from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. S H U R. You say it however you'd like. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Moriah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Moriah. Means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses. What are we supposed to drink, Moses? What's going to happen, Dude. And again this goes right back to that slave mentality. As soon as a slave has something bad in their life happen, they immediately go to the master cuz they take no responsibility for anything that's going on. It's it's they're just they're just slur- servants. I'm just a servant. Everything that happens happens to me and it comes from the master. So, anything good happens, it happens from the master. Anything bad happens, it's because woe is me, I'm a terrible person, a horrible slave, and the master is mad at me. So they go to Moses and they're like, "What are we supposed to drink?" We spent three days, like all the jugs are empty the like the water supply is gone. Like our animals are going to die. Our people are going to die. Our children are going to die. Our, You know, my bird is going to die. We're all going to die. My grandmother's dying of thirst. We're all dying. We're all dying. Moses, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They grumbled. I'm telling you, grumbling people are no, no fun. Verse 25 Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood he threw it in the water and the water became fit to drink wait what That's a great plan Moses goes to the Lord and he gets a simple and yet ridiculous solution What is God trying to show him here I think he's trying to say listen um you you don't you don't have to work hard for this right god is god is trying to say listen you i'm a god of love and joy and hope and uh you guys keep turning this into like you keep wanting me to send you rules to obey I, I don't i don't do that i think god's saying listen my favor is not a thing of hard labor it just just if you want to do something do something like it's not i'm not going to put those kind of rules on you Moses is like, what am I supposed to do? And God's thinking, I don't know. What make it, make the water sweet. I don't think we have any clue. Sometimes the kind of power and authority God's given us. I mean, I mean, think about all the things that Moses has seen happen when he's stretched out his rod over something or thrown his rod down, or or hit the ground. I mean, there's so much power that Moses has, and he still doesn't quite get it. He doesn't, like he doesn't, I, I, he's still fighting. He's still fighting his past and his training regarding gods and leadership. He goes to Yahweh and he says, what am I supposed to do? God's like, um... I don't, throw that stick in. I don't like whatever you want. My my burden is easy. It's light. Do what you want. You're going to hear me come up behind you and say, "Yes. I'll back you on this." So so he throws the stick in and then the, and then the water becomes sweet. Like the people should be Like, this is what they should have wrote a song about. This is what they should be praising the God about. This is where the women should have a tambourine and everybody should be dancing. You throw a stick in the water and it becomes sweet. We literally will never find a water source that we can't drink before or can't drink again. We, We could live alongside the ocean. I mean, watch this, right, people? We can live alongside the ocean and all we have to do is throw a stick in the water and we can drink it. This is what God is showing them. This is the kind of connection to the frequency of creation that God wants his people to have in order to bring heaven to earth. This is the kind of of incredible shifting that he wants his people to be able to do and experience. And Moses is still going to God saying, I don't know what to do. And then Moses comes up with this. He goes, there's a, there's a new rule, right? Exactly. This is exactly what we do. Every time God tells us something to do, we turn it into a rule. He said, this is, a, this is instruction. This is going to put you to a test like a good master. I'm going to test you all the time. If you listen carefully, again, right? All the nuances of behavioral modification here and you do what's right in God's eyes, if you pay attention, I will not do to you what I did to the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord who heals you. (laughs) I'm, I'm the good God, and I won't kill you, but you better obey me. I know that this is the way they saw God. I understand why Moses wrote it. I just know it's not like Jesus, so it can't be the way God meant it. Then they came to Elam, where there was twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So they all had a good long drink and spent the night. And then they kept walking. They followed the cloud, and they come to this beautiful oasis and and rest. Rest is how you take the promised land. Rest is how you how you obtain what God has promised you. You don't do it, do it through striving and killing and wiping out things. You don't do it through praying for the destruction of your enemies. You do it through rest. And that's how you should see God. You should see him as a God who brings rest, joy, peace, hope, dancing, celebrations, worship. This is the God that you serve. He's like, this is the God, this is this is how I do things. You're gonna overtake the promised land. I'm gonna take you to an oasis, and there you're gonna rest. Because that's what I do. We are in no hurry to make this happen because it's it's literally already happening. Like you don't have to worry about a thing. You don't have to worry about a thing. Just go and rest. I listen. I a uh, small small example. Um, there was a there was a a business. A business, a building for sale, right at the end of my little neighborhood, um, and the the it got bought, and the guy who bought it owned two types of stores. He owned a kitchen gourmet supply stores, and he owned uh, porn shops. I'm uh, oh, sorry, adult entertainment and and something stores or something like that. Anyways, I forget what it was, but it was not something I would want. Literally. 50 yards from my house, right? And I know that there were many Christians who went there and prayed for his death and destruction. They wanted his family to feel the pain of bringing such disastrous, horrible, uh, you know, a uh, 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 plight and blight to the earth through pornography and and all that. So all that, I, I don't need to run down that road, but it was bad, Right. And I was like, I was struggling with this, not struggling, but I was, I was like, Lord, I need your perspective. I need your perspective. So what I did was I, I prayed for blessings on his family. I prayed that they would encounter the Lord, that they would come to know him as savior. I prayed that his, his gourmet kitchen business would become so profitable that it would make perfect sense to put the gourmet kitchen business in this empty store that that as a businessman, he wouldn't say, well, I I need to put a porn shop in there because it makes less money than the kitchen shop. I, he's, he was a businessman. At nothing else, I wanted to appeal to that. Now, in the end, he put the gourmet kitchen store in there, and uh, we went there as often as we could afford to. It really had pretty expensive things. But bottom line is, I don't... I, I don't take credit like if I didn't pray that, it wouldn't have happened. But it was cool for me to have partnered what I, what I believe to be the heart of God. He wants to bless people. He doesn't want to kill that guy and his family. He didn't want to bring disease on them. Now, the enemy did, yeah. But I wanted to pray blessing on what some people would consider my enemy. And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week on The Epic Narrative. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. All right, some Bob Thoughts coming your way. Yeah, we covered a lot there. And, uh, it's you know, as far as th- my theology goes, that probably is one of the most con- um, heavy Episodes we've done, because we dealt with dualism. Uh, I just got asked this literally three days ago from somebody who uh, I haven't necessarily spoken to for a while, but they made contact. They started listening to the podcast and and they asked me that question: Are you are you a dualist? And I was like, Wow! Now, granted, they are theologically they have a vocabulary that would put that question into their hearts but most everyday people don't even consider themselves a dualist because they just they just believe that god is both he does bad things for good reasons basically and they don't understand it and that's okay because their preacher said they're not supposed to always understand it they're they're just supposed to show up at church every sunday and serve the lord so that's what they do and they're happy 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 uh, and I was too for a lot of years. Anyways, so we dealt with dualism. We dealt with um, we dealt with the the beautiful song <laughs> that was written that also made God a murderer. Uh, and again, uh, was it in the Bible? Absolutely. Did Moses write it? Yes. Uh, that's the way the people chose to see him. And you get what you have faith for. So that's the way the people saw him. You 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 know you buy a red car, you're gonna see more red cars. If you make God a murderer, you're gonna see him killing people all over the place. So crazy, but true. And then and then you know we end with the water story, and I I love the water story. I really do. I I just think we you know that whole stick situation. Like we just make life so much more complicated than we need to because we just think we think the way that people have told us to think, which is that we are worms, we are unworthy, we are, we are uh, slaves that just need to beg the master to, to not kill us. But the reality is we are sons of God and we have such authority and power that we can step into and really rock this world. All of creation cries out for the sons of God to, to behave like what they are. We we've got it. We've got to keep stretching ourselves. I know it's scary. You can do. You can do it. I believe in you. Cause I know who your dad is. So step out, get crazy. Uh, what other thoughts do I have? Oh, um, you guys are awesome. Thanks for your love and support. If you want to financially support, uh, there's links available both here, in the description of. Of the episodes, as well as our website uh, and um, my Facebook page and my Instagram page, I think. Hey, and if you uh, if you do TikTok, uh, give me a follow on TikTok. Uh, a lot of the thoughts I have on theology, I try and do in 60 seconds on TikTok, and at least make people think. So, yeah, give me a follow. Let's uh, let's let's push the algorithms. <laughs> I'm not. I really. I don't care if the if the Chinese people are are reading all of them or listening to them all. I, I kind of hope they they are. I think it'll be funny. Uh, I think they'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I also. I'm also not worried if, that that they know everything about me. They've known. People have been tracking our phones, you know, since since they were invented. Long before they were invented, they knew how to do it. They've been watching us, listening to us. And, you, and, Bob, are you a conspiracy theorist? Uh, no, but I do not just believe what I'm told. I read and I research. You guys know that about me. I read, I research, and I, uh, I try to stay independent. I actually don't think I've, I've, I know for sure I have not watched any mainstream media, any, for at least 10 years. It's been longer than that, I think. I actually did a fast. I was into it, like wicked into it, uh, back in my Connecticut days. And I did a 30-day fast of no media. And when I, I just worshipped. Anytime I wanted to watch the news, watch this watch sports, like anything, I would just listen to worship. And man, it, it revolutionized. It, it was all, it was revolutionary. And I never went back to the news. I did go back to sports, which is also getting annoying and. Uh, The way that they're pushing everything but currently i can ignore it still but yeah yeah i haven't listened to them in forever i do read extensively and i do listen to to, you don't need to know all this anyways i encourage you um think and behave like a child of god not a slave of a master all right you guys are awesome have a great day and i'll see you next week on the epic